the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants which must shortly come to the things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. Again, every writing of John has a summary passage in the gospel according to John, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, 2 John verses 4 through 6, and 3 John verse 11. This summary passage, as we studied in our introduction last week, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the United Nations. It's not the revelation of the Catholic Church. It's not the revelation of Antichrist or whatever. It's not even the revelation of the churches. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. In, the, in our Bibles, we, I have it scratched out. It, it says the revelation of St. John the Divine. It's not the revelation of St. John the Divine. That's right. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he gave it. He signified it unto his, his, uh, by his angel unto his servant. That's what it says in verse 1. We also, uh, as we look into this thing, it says there's blessings. The blessings in verse 3, he that readeth it, they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. And we, we, we nudged at the topic for this evening. We'll be looking in verse 4 in just a moment. Okay. But the, the, those who read it, and as we nudged that at last time, those that read it specifically as I am doing now, the reading and the preaching of the Word of God. You can read into the seven churches, specifically the, those churches, and that's what we're getting into this evening. Those letters were written to the angels of those churches. So those that were to read it in chapter 1, verse 3, were the angels or the messengers, the pastors of those seven churches. So in, in that initial message, we saw that it would be a blessing for the reader or the pastor of the Lord's churches, his churches, not, not other assemblies, but his churches, to read these things in the assembly. It would be a blessing for those in the assembly then, blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, it is a blessing to you by the word of God. It's a blessing for you to hear these things and keep those things which are written therein. It's a blessing for you and I collectively as a body and as individuals. Me to read it, you to hear it, and us to keep it. Okay. For the time is at hand with all urgency. We'll be looking at verse 4, the A part. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. That's as far as we're getting tonight, the seven churches. This book was not written to the individual. I've known people that they, they, spend, they dedicate their entire lives, you would think, to understand what the book of Revelation says, but they do so outside of the Lord's assembly. They forgot to study verses 1, 2, and 3, specifically verse 3. This is not a book given to, a, to an individual to study. This is not a book given to someone outside of the Lord's assembly to study. This, this book was written to the seven churches which are in Asia. And specifically, it's written uh, in, to the Lord's assemblies at large, that we can read and study it thereby. Just as much as the book of, of Ephesians was written to the church of Ephesus, the Lord's assemblies throughout the ages were to study the book of Ephesians and to learn and grow by it, right? So is the book of Revelation. So raise your hand if you do not want to be blessed. Great, because you're in the right place. If you want to be blessed, the reading of the book of Revelation... And pray for me that I that in just in reading there's be some places I won't be able to offer you any kind of thought to it because I don't know what it what it what it may mean. Pray that the Lord give us understanding. My prayer is echoed with John, Revelation chapter 
22. And verse 20, he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. John says, Amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. I would much rather find out what a lot of this stuff means by visiting there personally than try to dig through commentary and try to just strain, you know, and things. And, and honestly, there's some things they haven't happened yet. And we don't know. We don't know what it means. I look forward to that time where Jesus comes, and I believe it will come quickly. He says, "Well, the time is at hand." So some suppose these seven churches, he says to the seven churches which are in Asia, some suppose that these seven churches were specifically daughter churches of the church of Ephesus. And there's no direct proof of that. Okay. The, the churches, listen, I don't, we won't spend much time here, but I do want to say that the church of Smyrna, Pergamos, Sardis, and Philadelphia are only mentioned directly by those names in the book of Revelation. Okay? Pergamum, some say, and there's Perga. So some say that there's overlap there. So we'll pull that one out just for sake of argument. So Smyrna, Sardis, and Philadelphia are not mentioned anywhere else but in the book of Revelation. So it would be difficult for anyone to say, well, yes, they're all the, the daughter churches of the church of Ephesus. There's no proof of that. So we're going to leave that alone. Some things that we do know about these seven churches, though. Again, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of the churches. But there are some things that we can understand about these churches as we endeavor to learn more about the Lord Jesus Christ. We know, and, and this, is gonna, this is a very short outline, we know they were local, visible, independent, and authorized significant assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? How do we know that? They were local. Let's see this. Each letter was addressed locally. Okay? Think about a local assembly. You should have to say that the Lord Jesus Christ established a local assembly, but it needs to be said because there are many that believe in a universal assembly or a universal church. Each letter was addressed locally to the churches, plural. He didn't say to the, to the church in Asia or the church in the region of Asia or Asia Minor. He said to the seven churches, local, independent, visible bodies. Each letter was written to a specific church in a specific location. They might have even, even been very close. And some of these assemblies were very close in location. But they were not the same assembly. They had a different location. Each location had its own problems. And each one of these was addressed in the letter. Some of them had socioeconomic problems. Some of them had, had more political problems, uh, oversight of the Roman Empire and what have you. And each letter had to be delivered to its own local location and read by its own local angel. Okay? Well, why is that important? Because the Lord, again, the, the, the assembly, the Lord's church, is not universal at all. And it, and it has to be in a local sense. It, it, it supports one of the most basic and fundamental, even one of the most ancient principles that is in the Bible, that it's not good for man to be alone. So these people who were congregated in a local sense were, were those churches. And there's more to it than that, but at a minimum, they were local. Why is this important? Well, there, in, a, in a time of social media, in a time of Internet, there are a lot of people that think that by listening to us on, on, uh, on sermon audio that they're part of this church, and they're just simply not. They're simply not. But that's, that's part of the issue. There are a lot of people that think, you know what, I don't have to go to church. I can get what I need from John MacArthur. He's out there in California. I can listen to him online, and I got my church for the day. Well, no, you didn't. I don't believe he has authority to do what he's doing. But I also don't believe, even if he did, that that's, that, that's not... That's not part of, of that, that church. It's not, it's not, the church is intended to be a local uh, body. Yeah. Just as much as your body is a local body and your heart and your guts and all your stuff is in your body right now, the body is intended to be knit together in a local sense. So, to follow up on that thought, in chapter 2, verse 1, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth, the seven stars. Go back to chapter 1, verse 3. 
Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Again, they didn't have social media. They didn't have YouTube or Facebook. So if someone is to read something and other people are to hear it, that must be done in a local sense. Right? That just makes sense. That, that has to make sense. It's, there's no other way of doing it. I could stay over at the house and start yelling for Lex to, to do something, but if, but if he's over at Grandma's house and he's not there local to receive instruction, you can see where the problem would be. If, you're not a, if one is not assembled, they're not in the assembly. Now, I understand there, there, are, um, there are circumstances, right? There are circumstances. There's times when someone uh, is providentially hindered and so on, but the assembly is a local assembly. It it is. That's the intention of it from the very beginning. And being local, then, it would be visible. Visible. What do we mean by that? Well, there's a lot of, well, I say a lot. Some believe in a universal invisible church, which I do not. While others believe in a local invisible church. What do we mean by that? A local invisible church. That they believe that, that the, the Lord's assembly is it's sufficient for the Lord's assembly to gather a couple hours a week and to discuss doctrine, but never do the work of evangelism and never do the things that God commanded in the commission to go and to teach and to preach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So they are local and they have right doctrine, but they're invisible. Nobody knows they're there. I don't believe that the, 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 the book of Revelation will teach us that they believed in a local invisible church. If you were to see the, the church in Smyrna, chapter 2 and verse 8, under the angel of the church of Smyrna, right, these things say the first and last, which was dead and is alive. I know thou works in tribulation of poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Why would they suffer for the name of Jesus Christ? They're not invisible. They wouldn't be, if they were invisible, they wouldn't be suffering. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. Wait, what? Faithful unto death. And I will give thee a crown of life. I believe that these churches were visible, some more visible than others, but I believe each one of them was visible. Now we don't have we're not great number. You can think about the Church of Philadelphia. You know, that that they had little strength. Look look at if you would please in uh, chapter three and verse seven, to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, right, these things saith he that is holy, and he he that is true, he that hath the key of David. He that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know that works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them come to worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. So even having a little bit of strength, they had an open door, and everyone knew even not believing what they believed, they knew what they believed. And when he says they'll come and worship before your feet, not that they'd worship the Church of Philadelphia, but they would come and worship the God that they knew that the Church of Philadelphia did indeed worship and exalt. Again, they were not invisible. Even having a little strength, they were not invisible. And I don't believe we're invisible either. I've told you all before, there was a pastor that asked me, because I'm evidently known as one of the few pastors uh, that that even pretend to hold to the sovereignty of God, the the, I, the 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 teaching of the sovereignty of God. So he asked me to write a position statement on it. Y'all are known for your position on the Lord's on on on, on God Almighty Himself and the Lord's Church. It, you're not invisible. Don't think that you are. People know. They were not invisible. Okay. They were, not, they were not invisible. They were a local, visible church. With each letter, we know there was not a universal message, though the book was given to all the churches. They, they, had a, they, they each had visible problems, too. Even the Church of Philadelphia had visible problems. They had 
self-esteem issues because they have little strength. And we'll, we'll, get, we'll study that out. They each had visible problems. Their visibility is addressed in each letter by God Almighty, Christ himself. He says, I know thy works. They were visible. Visible to God, visible to their communities. Local, visible, they were also independent. Okay? The letters were written to individual churches. You see, if they were part, if, if this was a mother-daughter scenario, truly, and, and it was uh, following after a Catholic system, some people think that this comes through some kind of Catholic or papal system. It doesn't. But if it did, they would. The, these seven letters would have been handed to Ephesus, who some people presume is the mother church, and then Mama Church would have then exercised discipline or corrective measures over the daughter churches, the other six. Each letter was written to an individual church. And each church then was given responsibility of works and repentance unto God, you see. They each had their own problems. They each had their own pastors. They each had their own introduction to the Lord. The Lord addresses himself in seven very different ways to these assemblies. I believe, as it teaches in the book of Ephesians and in 1 Corinthians, that the Lord puts his church, his local church together piece by piece to the edifying of itself through the word of God by the spirit for his own pleasure. You think, oh man, I wish we had more people. We have as exactly as many as people right now as God has purposed us to have. May God purpose us to have more. I don't know. That's his business. But each one, each, each of these letters, independent bodies had their own set of instructions related to their problems. Each had the same clothes. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Right? They were independent. Jesus stood in the midst of them. But you see in, in chapter tw uh, 1, Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Not one. Not one candlestick with seven lights on it, but seven separate candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps of the golden girdle. So they were independent. Okay? Again, they were not connected. They were separate. And he stood in the middle of them. At individually. These aren't seven types of churches. This isn't, say, Baptists and Catholics and Church of Christ and, and, and uh, Pentecostals and all that kind of stuff. These are seven independent local bodies that the Lord was standing in the middle of. I believe something also, and perhaps most importantly with these bodies, they were authorized and commissioned. You see, he didn't go stand in the middle of the ladies' auxiliary and didn't go stand in the middle of the PTA. He didn't go stand uh, in, in, in the middle or um, uh, uh, amongst, you know, whatever Rotary Club or the city commission. He stood in the middle of these lampstands that represent the Lord's church itself. The Lord authorized and commissioned exactly one group of people to do his work of broadcasting the gospel. And Matt, and now, I want to say this. Every believer is charged to testify of what great things the Lord has done for them. They are, every believer. Whether they're a member of the Lord's assembly or not, they are charged by God Almighty to declare what the Lord has done for them. But specifically in commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power or authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. It's about him. It's not about the church. It's about him. But the church has a function. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So they go out broadcasting the gospel. There's believers. When people believe, they baptize them. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So now you have an educated group of baptized believers. And at some point, people die because of sin. But the Lord says, Lo, I am with you always. Well, who's you? Even until the end of the world or age. Amen. So how can that be except 
that the Lord's assembly organically broadcasted the gospel generation by generation. Believers were baptized, churches were organized, like begat like, and Christ promised that it would happen until the time of his second, until the time of the rapture, the end of the age. And he verified it in his word. Authorized. You move forward some time, and in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. You have a verification that Jesus Christ is continuing in his local, independent, visible, authorized assemblies. That he has continued that. I want you to think about something. I mentioned it earlier. I don't know if you caught it. People presume that Smyrna, Sardis, and Philadelphia came out of Ephesus. But they don't know. What? You mean that early in church history, people have questions of lineage of where the churches come from? Jesus Christ himself verifies their authority. He calls them churches, doesn't he? They're his. He's instructing them. The promise of perpetuity or continuance, that's what the word perpetuity means, continuance. The promise of the perpetuity of the Lord's church came from Jesus Christ himself, and he himself verified their authorization, their, their authority as assemblies. It's assuring. Jesus Christ recognized them. Look at look at verse look at this. You tell me how you tell me how important the Lord's assembly is. Revelation chapter one and verse ten. How somebody can be so overthrown with the book of Revelation, but totally skip the first three chapters. The Lord's assembly has great significance before the Lord. Not in place of, but in, in his presence, in his way of thinking, the Lord gives great significance for his namesake and for his glory unto his assembly. Not to be worshipped. The church is not to be worshipped. The object of the church is, the, is faith in Jesus Christ. Again, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega. The church is in Alpha and Omega. That's Jesus Christ. The first and the last. And what thou seest, write in the book and send unto the seven churches which are in Asia. All the fantastic and wonderful and amazing and blessed things that we're going to read in the book of Revelation was to be sent to the Lord's assemblies. Unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paths with with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were white like wool, and his as white as snow, and his feet, his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they were burned in the furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance, or his face, was like the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which thou shalt be hereafter. Listen. You think all that going on and all the stuff he's about to see. Look at what the Lord says. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels, or the messengers, the pastors of the seven churches. As a pastor, this brings me great comfort. So, oh man, you y'all only got a couple people over there. What do you think you're doing? What are you wasting your life for? Don't don't you want to go to some some other assembly where they got this and this and this and this and this? Don't you understand? That being part of the Lord's assembly, a pastor of one of his churches, I am, as it were, as a star in the hand of God. Y'all pray for me. It's easy to forget that I'm, and that almost sounds boastful, but it's not. That, that one such as myself could be as a star in the hand of God. 
Christ himself and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. I believe these churches are figurative of all of the Lord's assemblies. I believe that yeah. each of the, that we have a candlestick. Yeah. And it doesn't depend on if I'm here or you're here or what. Yeah. It depends on the, the local, visible, independent, authorized, commissioned work of Jesus Christ through his assembly. Amen. You tell me how important the Lord's assembly is. That with all the things in the book of Revelation going on, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he takes the time to describe his assembly this way. I believe it's very important. Well, that's that's just one place. Yeah, you're right. Here's another place. Look at Revelation chapter um, 22. The bookends of it. Sometimes when you see the bookends of a book. Like in, in Ezekiel, he saw the uh, he saw God above all the heads, and at the end, Jehovah he uh, will be uh, in in the in the midst of them. Jehovah Shaphan, he'll be in the midst midst of them. He'll dwell there. Well, here's the bookends. I said that. I, The Lord is there, and I forget how it translates out into the, the I believe I mispronounced that. The Lord is there is at the end of Ezekiel. But look at look at Revelation chapter 22 and verse, verse 12. 22 and verse 12. And behold, I come quickly. Well, that's how it started. And my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Well, that's how he described himself in chapter 1. Blessed are they that do his commandments. Well, remember he that reads and they that hear and, and they that keep. Talking to the churches again. That they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the, the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things. Where? Read it, Lex. What's it say? In the churches. Testify these things in the churches. So if these things are to be rightfully testified, yeah. it would be in the Lord's assembly. That's right. Local, visible, yeah. with authority. I am the root of David. He brings it back to himself. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. I am the root of David and the offspring of David. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bride and morning star. The spirit and the bride. Say, come. The charge, I believe, I believe that not every believer is in the bride, but those that are counted faithful is granted unto them that they should wear fine linen. I believe that the bride are the faithful members of the local, visible, authorized, independent Baptist church that the Lord started. There's a bazillion different kinds of Baptists, but the Lord's assembly that he started. I believe that. You tell me how important the Lord's assembly is in, in giving God honor. I believe it's very important. John recognized them as we read in our passage. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Why did John write to the seven ages? Because Jesus told him to. We just read that in chapter 22. The Lord's assembly. Again, the, the purpose of the Lord's assembly is to testify of Jesus Christ. You shall be witnesses of me. That's what he said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This book is about the Lord Jesus in every, in every way. But the, the recipient of this book is not just any old body. The recipient of the book of Revelation were these seven churches. Local, visible, independent, authorized, co commissioned by Jesus Christ himself. And in that, chapter 22, the spirit and the bride, they come, that points back to Matthew chapter 28 that we read earlier. Yeah. Those that are fulfilling the commission, those that are commissioned to testify for sinners to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The significance of the Lord's assembly. Don't lose sight that it's the Lord's assembly. Some people believe, and I've, I've heard them teach it and read their teachings, that, that the bride is the queen of heaven, and the, the queen of heaven will sit in the throne with Jesus Christ, and all the rest of everybody will bow down to the bride as they bow down to Christ. 
That's foolishness. There is no queen of heaven. What an honor for any child of God to worship God throughout all eternity. And I believe that's the station of the bride is to give all adoration. That's right. All adoration unto Jesus Christ. It's not here comes the bride. It's there is the groom. That's right. Honor is given unto him. We read, look look in Revelation chapter 19. You know, in in an earthliness and a wedding day, you know, folks, folk, you know, the groom stands in the front typically, and then they play "Here Comes the Bride" and "Oh, what a big to do over the bride." Read Revelation chapter nineteen, verse six. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, "Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent reign." Who's glory going to there? The Lord. That's right. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to. Him. For the marriage of the lamb, lamb not the bride, marriage of the lamb Amen. is come. That's right. And his wife hath made herself ready. She is leaning and pressing toward him. He's not leaning and pressing toward her. She's ready to come and meet him. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. He saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And saith unto me, These things are true sayings of God. You read that passage through verse 9? Where is the honor? Where is the focus of honor? It's to God Almighty. It's not to the bride. It's not, it's not to the, 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 his, his wife. It's not to New Jerusalem. It's to God himself. He's saying, but it is a great honor that she is granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. It is a great honor. She is not to be worshipped or adored. If I set out a life that I want to live so that I can be in the bride, then that's misdirected living. I believe those that set their affections on the Lord Jesus Christ and will do exactly whatever he says to do are those that that repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of God and by the by the evidence of the, the work of God, the, the Holy Spirit in the new birth. Those that submit himself themselves unto baptism and serve the Lord faithfully through his New Testament church. I believe those are candidates for the bride. The Lord has the final say, of course. But I don't believe someone who has not so much as submitted to baptism would be in the bride. And I don't believe someone who is out of the way as a church member or even a lazy church member would be a candidate. Some people believe that you'll be in the bride just by having your name on a roll. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. The bride hath made herself ready. I mean, if I if I came in here and just I was looking a wreck and I was wearing my pajamas and no shoes, did it, would it look like, even though I'm here, does it look like I made myself ready to be here and to do what I'm supposed to be doing? Would you have any, if I walk into work tomorrow and I'm still, I'm wearing a t-shirt and a pair of shorts and flip-flops, did it look like I made myself ready to go to work? No. Well, how do you, how does a child of God make themselves ready? Well, blessed are they that read and they that hear and those that keep. Trust the Lord and do what he says through his assembly. This book is written to the churches. Think of, think of the magnitude of this book. I mean, you think of, just rehearse some of the things in the book of Revelation to yourself. This is a, the revelation, or that's what the word revelation means disclosure. This is the disclosure of Jesus Christ to know more about him. There are things that you can read in the book of Revelation that you might not read elsewhere, or you've read it, you're like, oh, wow. You get a, different, a better perspective on him through this book. The magnitude of this book. Jesus Christ is described in chapter 1 vaguely as he is in a few other places, but you see it a little bit clearer. The revelation and disclosure of the instruction given to the churches. There's a lot of clarification of the book of Daniel and, and of Zechariah that happens. Many other prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, many other prophets. There's a lot of... Re- 
of, of instruction that is clarified in the book of Revelation. That's a big deal. Things that are yet to come. There's revelation or disclosure of things to come. Eschatology. Revelation and disclosure of assurance. Uh, revelation chapter 1, uh, 21 rather, 21, verse, verses 1 through 7. Look, look at this. You think of assurance. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You, you see a lot of the Old Testament prophecy, and oh, it's so vague. It, it's... It, it, it's little wonder how they didn't understand at the first that Christ is who he said. They were waiting for the king to come and to rule. But this is this is opened up. Yeah. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And we will dwell with them, or he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now as we read through these things, it it, you can, it, with a surrealness, you can see how, how, on one hand, amazingly overwhelming, but on the other hand, amazingly simple this is made. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he said, he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Oh, what great assurance the book of Revelation comes. But again, this book is written to the churches. Not saying that those are exclusive rights of the churches, but this information was given That's right. to the churches. Yeah. Amen. This book was entrusted to local, visible, independent, authorized churches. Not to all believers at large. Mm -hmm. Not to freelancers. Nope. Hang on a second. Not to the great whore nope. or her harlot daughters. Not to those that just pop up somewhere and think they want to teach through the book of Revelation. Not to Google, Facebook, other social media platforms. Not to the United Nations. Not to CNN or Fox News. It was given unto even a church with little strength. Again, Philadelphia. Yep. I don't know how many, how, what little strength. You know, some, some people are, might say, you know what, they, there was a bunch of them, but they were old and feeble. Or there was just a handful of them, or comparative to the to the other churches, maybe fewer than fewer than most. I don't know. The Bible says they had a little strength. My mind plays tricks on me sometimes. Can you can you imagine what if this was the Church of Philadelphia and you got you got one of the first edition copies of the Book of Revelation? How important would you think that was? Hey. If I if I came and said, you know what, I got a, I got a letter. John sent us a letter, and it's from God. Would that impress you a little bit? Well, that's what we got. That's right, bro. John sent a letter, and it's from God. Praise the Lord. And you know, there could have been marauders, or their post office could have broke down, and maybe somebody said, "What's old John doing? He's a prisoner. Let me see what he's writing about." And maybe one of them Roman soldiers that was sailing away from Patmos with this letter might have said, you know what? Because they do that. People who are in jail, they open their mail, make sure they're not getting a knife or anything. Maybe they open his mail and they read it and they said, man, John has lost his mind. That letter wasn't for them. That letter was for these churches. Yeah. I thank God. You think of how important. Again, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, but his assembly... You see the importance he puts on his assembly in this letter. One would be blessed. Maybe, maybe one of those people, and just speculating, maybe one of those people that opened up this prisoner's letter, read it, and through testimony of John, conversation with John, maybe God Almighty, in all his power, 
bless someone unto salvation. That would be a wonderful thing. It, it's the preaching of God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God. It's, there's power there. These blessings that are indicated in chapter 1, verse 3, I believe, are for the readers and the hearers through the local assembly and those practicing or observing, behaving through the churches. With that perspective, again, you tell me how important it is to be a proper church member. You tell me. Oh, there's only, Brother Gary, Sister Nelda, oh, there's only a couple of us here. Tell me how important it is. You tell me how important it is. I know by your living how you know how you perceive some measure how important it is. It's so important. It's so important. With that perspective, we should desire to give all glory unto Jesus Christ, whose revelation this is through his church. To the churches there was given instruction, chapters one, two, and three. Promises. Chapter 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Yeah. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. That's an instruction to the churches. Again, that's not exclusive uh, um, uh, promises. Right? But that instruction is given to the churches. Chapter 2, verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall, be, shall not be heard of the second death. You trust in Jesus Christ, and you'll, the second death, you will, you will be saved from the judgment which you are due. That is the, that is the broadcasting announcement. You know, you got the public broadcasting announcement. You know, that's the broadcasting announcement of the Lord's assembly. Repent and be saved from the wrath to come. Chapter 2, verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, and which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. I have no idea what the fullness of what that means. But that instruction is given to the churches. Blessings beyond imagination. Chapter 2, verses 26 through 29. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule with and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken into shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen. Chapter 19, verses 6 through 9, we, we, we talked about that already about the bride. Look at verse, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they, who? Those that have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. If you had any questions before, and I meant to bring this up before, but if you have any questions before about not every Baptist being, or not every church member being in the bride, he says there's a few. That means compared to most. There's a few names in that assembly that have not defiled their garments. They are worthy. They shall be in white. You tell me how important it is to be a faithful, diligent member of a local, visible, independent, authorized church of the living God. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Very important. Chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Him that, that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God. We were just reading in Second Kings when they were breaking down the pillars out of the temple. The, the pillars were made of brass. And if you look at the measurements, the pillars were 21 cubits tall, but the ceiling was 30 feet tall. What's a pillar supposed to do? Hold things up. So being a pillar in the temple, pictured in 2 Kings, 
We're not going to hold the temple of God up. But they were there. We are non-weight-bearing pillars in the temple of God. He holds it up. His gospel holds it up, right? And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him a new name. The last one there to the church of uh, Laodicea, 21-22. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down in my Father in his throne. He that hath it nearly him, hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So many promises to the churches. The messages to the churches. With all urgency. In chapter 1, verse 3. Or verse 2, verse 3 says, For the time is at hand. Chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Behold, he cometh with clouds. And John, we're going to get it into weeks to come. He, he can't contain himself. He has to tell us what's going to happen through this book. Chapter 22, verses 6 and 7. Chapter 22, verses 6 and 7. Well, with great honor, there's also great responsibility. Verses 6 and 7. And he said to me, These sayings are, the, are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Well, who's going to keep it? Those that hear it by the one that reads it in the churches. We read verses 12 through 16. I've sent mine angel to testify you in these sayings in the churches, he says in verse 16. Chapter 22 and verse 20. He which testifieth these sayings saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. So this book. The revelation of Jesus Christ. If you see the significance of the Lord's assembly in this, it's to receive instruction, to live by it, and broadcast the blessed name of Jesus Christ and his gospel. So while it's so wildly complex, it's also very simple. Trust him and do what he says. Continue on. He promised. He promised, lo, I'm with you until the end of the age. Well, how many times? Put some of these ideas together. The Lord is with his assemblies. He has his pastors in his right hand. He stands in the middle of the candlesticks. He says repeatedly through the book of Revelation, Behold, I come quickly. He said he would be with them until the very end of the age of the world in Matthew 28. And in Revelation, the end of the world is declared. And yet there is Christ that says, I am with you. Again, the importance that the Lord has placed on his assembly, I believe, is evident in the book of Revelation. If you see other assemblies in this anywhere, I believe it's found in, the, in Revelation chapter 16 and 17 concerning the great whore and her harlot daughters. Those that broadcast a false gospel, those that go forth unauthorized, those that take it upon themselves and, and they make their, and they might be so subtle but make a name for themselves and have polluted the righteousness of God and perverting his established system. What gives anyone the right to do things their way? God has established his way. And I believe worshiping him in the pillar and ground of the truth, which is the Lord's assembly that has continued throughout the ages organically, preaching, teaching, baptizing, has continued unto this day. As we study the seven churches, it would be super tempting for us to take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and start looking at ourselves. We cannot take our eyes off of him. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the way of a human being to think everything's about me. It's all about him. We cannot forget who this book was written to, however. It's written to local, visible, independent, authorized, commissioned churches... They weren't known as Baptist churches back then. They were just known as the churches. That's what he says, to the churches. They didn't need all these ad adjectives, sovereign grace, landmark, missionary, blah, whatever. No, the churches, that was all that was needed. To reduce the relevance of the recipient. Think about this just for a moment. We're drawing to a close here. If we reduce the relevance of the recipient, we also reduce the relevance of the speaker. Okay? If, if, if who he's talking to is no big deal, that means he's no big deal. 
Think about it. Think about it in a practical sense. These letters were supposed to be read by the, by the pastors to the churches, but it's the message of God. So, if you go down to Revelation chapter 2 and verse and, and, and you start reading the, the, the letter to the church of Ephesus, if the church of Ephesus is no big deal, then he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, who says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, he's no big deal either. Right? To say that the recipient is no big deal also means that it reduces the relevance of the message to being no big deal. Well, these churches, you know, it's just whoever. Let's just jump to the exciting part in chapter 4. Well, to say that, because that's what people do. To say that chapters 1, 2, and 3 that is addressed to the churches is no big deal. They're saying that Jesus Christ is no big deal. And the message that he sent unto those churches is also no big deal. If you really examine the folks that hold that position, their lives scream all those positions. That the Lord's no big deal, that his church is no big deal, that the message to his church is no big deal. No, but let's crack some mysteries. Well, here's a, here's a mystery. Who can understand it? Trust the Lord and do what he says. You know how badly that aggravates people to hear that? Oh, it aggravates. But it's a mystery. You know it's a mystery because look around. Do not, while, while we should not and will not take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, do not reduce the relevance to nothing of his assembly. Jesus Christ declares the relevance of his assembly by writing to it. See, these instructions, all these important things, he, these are messages that he gave concerning himself to these churches. One seeking the face of Jesus Christ through this book ought to do it through his assembly. Read verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 again with me. Chapter 1. How, how simple. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you want Jesus revealed unto you? Which God gave him to show unto his servants. Well, I'm a servant of God. The condition of the servitude, he narrows it down in verse 4 to his servants. Things which must surely come to pass. And he sent it and signified it by his angel unto John his servant. So he got the stamp and, and, and authorized it. And it came by his angel who bare record to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. All things that he saw. Let's see that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand narrowed down further to the seven churches which are in Asia. Of all the people in the world, the Lord's assemblies, and there's only one kind, but there were seven independent, local, visible assemblies in Asia. There were more, but there were seven that were identified here. That those were given these instructions. Seeking the face of the Lord and desiring to be a servant, one, one would appropriately be a member, I believe, of Sovereign Grace Landmark Missionary Baptist Church. And I've told you all this before and I'll say it again. I firmly believe as much as I can that if I were to find the Lord's assembly on this earth, it would be an assembly that has continued by chain link succession, hold it to the Apostles' Doctrine, Acts chapter 2, uh, Acts chapter 1, Matthew 28, Luke 24, that has continued down through the ages unto this day. But I promise you with all my heart that if I saw that, there was, that this assembly had been deceived and there was indeed an, another assembly, the one true assembly out there, not only would I leave and go to it, but I with bitter tears would beg you to accept my apology and go with me. It's that important. It's that important. 
Do I think Campbell started in the late 1800s? No. Do I think it started with Pentecostalism in 1901? No. Do I think it started in 300 AD? No. Do I think it started with Christ and is here to this day and I'm a member of it as best as I can? For to trust the Lord and do what he says, that's commanded by God himself in his assembly. This book is written for people who desire to be blessed of God by moving as he commanded through his assembly. That's the, that's the, and looking unto Jesus in all things. That's the design of this book. And the time is at hand. Being a faithful church member ought to be something that someone speedily desires to be. I'm going to tell you this because we're human beings. And I'm saying this to myself as well. If you or I ever find ourselves in a place where we are disciplined in the Lord's assembly with all haste, you should seek reconciliation. Amen. That's right. It's that important. Yeah. That's right. Trust the Lord. Do what he says. Serve him through his local church. Serve him. It's about him. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Serve him. That authorization, again, that's the key. There's a load of local, visible, independent bodies out there, but they're not authorized. That's the key. That's right. The authorization, the commission that Christ gave with his promise, lo, I'm with you until the end of the age. Yep. And this book, The Time is at Hand, talks about the end of the age. Yep. And his church is right there. Oh. Isn't that something? Praise God. Sinner, being a church member won't save you. I've known a lot of unsaved church members before. I've known a pastor. He was pastoring a church and then said the Lord saved. His church membership in the position he had did not save him. He knew a lot of truth as an unsaved person. Boy, that, that won't save you either. I knew a lot of truth as an unsaved person. Didn't save me. This is the revelation and testimony of Jesus Christ we stutter, we study. But what does that mean? Think about that a second. Revelation 1.1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jehovah is salvation. Not you, not me, not a church, not Antichrist, not religious systems, not the mark of the beast, not what people think they know. Jehovah is salvation. That means nothing else is. He alone can save from sin. That word Christ means anointed, the anointed one, Messiah. The fulfillment of Old Testament types and the promises of God. From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, it says that God clothed them. He told Adam, and the day you eat that, you're going to die. And he should have died, but that animal died instead. That's what happened in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I should have died. I should have suffered judgment for my sins. He did instead. A fit substitute. This is the revelation or the declaration that Jesus, Jehovah is salvation, is indeed the Christ. Throughout all the ages, you know, his servants shall serve him, chapter 21. Why? Because they should have died and he died instead. Chapter 20, those who were judged according to their books and are cast alive in the lake of fire. Why? Because they rejected the Son of God and died in their sins. They get what they got coming, those who are saved. Christ himself bore their sins and the debt, the sufferings associated with that. Read chapter 1. Verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. El Shaddai, the breasted one, the one that nourishes. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. John lived it. He declared it as often as he was permitted to declare the things of Christ. 
Verse 5. From Jesus Christ, who was the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, dead, buried, and risen again, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What can wash away your sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I encourage you to repent. Repent of yourself, repent of your sin, repent of everything. And see your only, your only hope in the finished work, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Trust that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God and have life through his name. May the Lord bless the preaching of his words.